Welcome to the Weekly Standard Podcast. With me for the Weekly Standard Podcast, we've tracked him down on the road, Elliot Abrams, who has a terrific piece at weeklystandard.com right now about the debate over religion-based refugee programs. Uh, Elliot Abrams, welcome back to the Weekly Standard Podcast. Thank you. Glad to be with you. So a lot of outrage that people might suggest that in the situation we're facing with Syria right now, that uh, the refugee program be tailored at all based on religion. And you point out an interesting fact that apparently has escaped the attention of the White House. (laughs) Yes, the fact is that persecuted minorities, including religious minorities, are supposed to get special treatment under U.S. law. I mean, that shouldn't really surprise anybody. Um, But for the White House to say, as the president did, that distinguishing among refugees on the basis of religion would be, quote, shameful, that was the president's word, Um, shows that he doesn't know what the law is, in addition, I would say, to being indifferent to the plight of these uh, minorities. And which minorities in particular are you speaking of? Well, I was speaking mostly of the Christians in the Middle East, although the exact same reasoning would apply, for example, to Yazidis in Syria and Iraq, or Baha'i. Now, we we have paid attention in the past, for example, to Soviet Jews trying to get out, because they were specially persecuted in the Soviet Union. Um, For years, we've had uh, special attention to the Baha'i in Iran, because their situation in Iran is just terrible. And uh, we ought to be paying that kind of attention to Christians in the Middle East. There are lots of documents from various parts of the State Department acknowledging that Christians are a specially persecuted minority throughout the Middle East. Um, It it is not the same to be a a Muslim refugee and a Christian refugee, because if you're a Christian refugee, uh, it is likely that your whole community has been destroyed and that you're not really going to be that welcome back. There's no place to go to. So um, Christian refugees, I think, Uh, fit within the categories of U.S. law that say that uh, persecuted religious minorities ought to get special attention, and And they're not getting it. And there's an obvious analogous situation that Americans can understand, and that is what was happening in the 1930s. If someone said, hey, why do you keep taking the Jews away from Europe? No one would... You'd think, well, of course we're taking the Jews. They're the ones who are in trouble. In fact, one of the great uh, uh, failures, you could argue, of the West in the 1930s was the fact that we did not do more to specifically help people based on their religious faith because of the persecution that came with it. And that's what makes this conversation so strange, which brings me back to a more important question. Why do you think the White House and President Obama are having it? Why are they being so vociferous, so negative, so insulting uh, in their comments about the debate over how to handle the situation in Syria and refugees in particular, when there's so many legitimate points that people of goodwill can dispute? Good question. I think part of it is the president derides and mocks all his critics. That is his style of responding to criticism. He never takes criticism seriously. So that's part of it. I think another part of it um, is a desire not to be viewed as discriminating against Muslims. Um, But I think the larger part of it all along, I mean, this is not something new in this administration, has been the thought that if you pay special attention to the plight of Christians, you're some kind of imperialist, colonialist, crusader, 
Um, and we shouldn't do that. And we should pay no attention to the fact that the United States is a, what, 85% Christian country? Um, and we should pay no attention to the fact that Christians are specially discriminated against. That must all be completely irrelevant. You know, it's striking to me, this kind of thing is not irrelevant in our domestic law. We have all this hate crime legislation. And what the hate crime legislation says is, well, somebody punches another person, uh, how do you punish the guy who does the punch? Well, wait a minute, that depends. That depends on the circumstances. And if the motivation is hate, we know that the crime is, we say that the crime is somehow worse and likely to have a worse impact um, on the person who is hurt. That's what our refugee laws say. Same thing, that when there's special persecution, the act of becoming a refugee is somehow even even worse. Um, that's really what the administration is trying to avoid saying. And I do think for a lot of them it's a kind of politically correct notion that, you know, God forbid, excuse the expression, <laughs> that the United States should should ever should ever bend over backwards or even a little bit sideways to help Christians. There's something wrong with that in their view. Well, now that you've said, God forbid, I have to put a trigger warning on this podcast, and I want you to know, <laughs> Elliot Abrams, you violated my safe space, and I don't feel very good about it. But I want to ask you a bigger question I've been actually been dying to ask for a while now. If I went back in time to when you were beginning your work at, in the George H.W. Bush era as a uh, person working with diplomacy, foreign policy, etc., and I'd said to you, here's the future. We're going to have a terrorist group go from zero to 60, take over parts of Iraq and Syria, wipe people out in most sickening ways, uh, literally beheadings and crucifixions. And the good guys who are going to go into the rescue are going to be the Russians. And the Americans are going to give them a thumbs up and say, boy, I'm sure glad you're not doing that, that, that you're doing that instead of me. What would you have said to me? I would have said... Um you're having a nightmare. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, it's not possible. I mean, the Russians have been kicked out of the Middle East uh, by Sadat um, in the 70s. So even in the Reagan administration, they were already gone. And the United States has been the dominant power in the region uh, really since World War II. The notion that, that any of this could transpire, I think, is incredible. Uh, to pick up your point, if I'd said to you that um, the Iranians are going to send an expeditionary force of Iranian Revolutionary Guards backed up by Iraqi Shia, backed up by Afghani and other Shia and Hezbollah into Syria to try to take it over, uh, what do you think the United States will do? How about nothing? I think any of us would have said nothing. You, you can't be serious. We're not going to let the Iranians have expeditionary forces running around the Middle East. So this is an enormous failure, I think, on the part of the Obama administration to protect American uh, national security interests um, in the region. It's an almost unthinkable one, uh, because as, as you rightly said, if we had been asked this in various forms five years ago, 25 years ago, uh, it, it would have seemed almost impossible. So uh, one last question then, using your crystal ball and look ahead 5, 10, 15 years, where does this lead? Does this lead to, lead to a place where the Middle East is essentially an Iranian area, you know, sphere of influence, if you will, with Israel holding out by itself and a you know, cowering group of, uh, 
of uh, Saudi and Saudi-esque Emirates, you know, buying the Iranians off for peace? Does this end with America finally reasserting its interest because it's just too important of a region? Or does uh, is, uh, jihadism become a truly uh, regional form of government a la Iran where you have um, you know, theocracies and mullahocracies across the region? What, what, what do you see in the future? Uh, of course, it depends partly on who the next president is and who the president after that is, because I think the question of Islamic terrorism is going to be with us for a very long time, for decades. But I do think the United States is going to react to this. I don't think we're going to be willing uh, to see Iran dominate the Middle East. And there is the basis with Israel, Jordan, the Gulf states, um, and some other American allies in the region. Plus, uh, now the French... um, to come together and to prevent this this from happening. Uh, getting the Russians out is going to be difficult. Um, and I think we, personally, I think we, we really need to stand up to them much more than we have in the Ukraine, in the Baltics, and uh, in the Middle East. But um, the dangers are very great. And I, let me just give you one example. If Putin makes a decision on the basis of our conduct in the Middle East, that this is his one chance to take apart NATO, and to try to send those little green men that he sent to Ukraine to one of the Baltic states, for example, then either we're going to let him, in which case NATO collapses, or we're not going to let him, in which case there's a very direct confrontation. So I think we're in for some very difficult times over the next year with Obama still in power, and then the early part of the next presidency. I like to believe we're going to stand up to this, because I think the American people are ready, willing, and able to do it. But we're going to need the right leadership. Well, let's hope we can find the bold, courageous global leadership of the French somewhere here in the United States. Elliot Abrams, thanks so much for joining us from On the Road here on the Weekly Standard Podcast. My pleasure. You've been listening to the Weekly Standard Podcast. Please be sure to check weeklystandard.com regularly for podcast updates. I'm your host, Michael Graham.